Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, so let's go to, we're going to be picking up as far as, you know, the honor series, uh, the honor factor meaning, you know, this is the one factor in our lives that can make a such a difference as it is the subtitle of our series, Honor Makes the Difference. I think this is the season, the timing for us to, you know, actually build upon this foundation in our lives so we can understand how honor actually makes the difference in our lives, in our relationships, in our relationships with people, in our relationship with God, even in our relationship with ourselves and how we, uh, you know, relate ourselves to the outside world that we live in. You know, honor is so important from, you know, every level of leadership, from every relationship that we, uh, that we deal with and honor, as we have learned, you know, earlier, Honor is something that also, you know, is the same thing as glory. So as God, you know, shares the glory of God with us or giving the glory of God to us, we also see there's an honor that he's given to us, but that honor we give to others too as well. You know, so it's a cycle, not just a cycle, but it's like a, um, as you give, it kind of gives back, you know, as you release it, then it comes back, you know, um, as you sow it, then you, you, you reap it back, you know, so honor is the factor in our lives that we're learning. And right now, uh, we're going to do do our last installment for honoring authority, honoring authority. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. Uh, saying that he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And I'm going to stop right there, um, right now, um, and really kind of really focus on that part where it talks about the perfecting, the perfecting. And as we went over the apostles and the prophets last week, uh, we're going to finish up with the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers this week. And I hope that, you know, as we're talking about honoring authority, we're talking about the authority in the church, that we understand how better to relate ourselves and prepare ourselves to re- be able to receive these gifts. You know, um, these gifts that Christ left to the body. Um, these are not just gifts that people uh, operate in. These are gifts. These are certain gifts to the body. These are gifts uh, as far as offices that have been given to the body. And they're so needful for us to be perfected. A lot of times what we want is to grow. We want to be better. Um, we want to get to another different place in our walk. Um, but we are selective at times in which person or which office we're able to receive or willing to receive uh, to be able to get to that different place. Every single office, um, as we'll finish up today, has a role in perfecting us, perfecting us, making us what? Completely furnished. This is where we get the part of our vision, the five point of our vision, where it talks about uh, us being equipped. It is this word, uh, perfecting means to be completely furnished or to be equipped. Uh, this is where we're talking about being equipped for what the work of ministry. Uh, 
ministry, you, there's preparation that has to happen, you know, uh, and not just the work of ministry, but for also the edifying of the body of Christ. Edification is something that uh, is a word that talks about uh, being built up, you know, being uh, strengthened, being uh, reinforced being built up and, and a lot of times what happens is we want to grow we want to mature and just like a child you know a child does not mature on his on, on their own um you know even in your job you don't matriculate on your job by yourself uh, a lot of times in these these day and times you know you may have a mentor um or you may just have a manager you know, you may just have a supervisor, uh, you know, you, 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 you can have a trainer. There's so many different things that there's nothing that we really approach in life where you just do it all by yourself or that you have, all, you know, a choice in, uh, you know, which office or which person is going to help you. When you get hired on a job, um, they don't really take into consideration too much if you don't like your supervisor. Your supervisor has been given an office. If you don't like the way that they talk, if you don't like the way that they say certain things, if you don't like the way that they administrate their office, of course, you can uh, say certain things. You can lift up your voice and, uh, and share your opinion, but that doesn't necessarily mean that this supervisor is going to lose their position or is going to uh, uh, cause them to be looked at in a way that they, you know, that they're not validated to be able to hold this position anymore because of one person or a few people's reaction. That's just a part of administrating the office. When you really understand leadership and when we really understand the authority that, that God has given these particular offices, it is an authority to be able to cause us to grow. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, where we want to grow at um, is not always where God wants us to grow at. So sometimes they will come and, and these offices will begin to administrate in areas of our lives where we feel like, well, it's not time for that. I wasn't re really trying to focus on that area yet. I wasn't trying to do that. I wasn't trying to be completely furnished as a husband, completely furnished as a son, completely furnished as a wife, or completely furnished as, you know, a, a minister, completely furnished just as a believer. You know, um, you know, sometimes we're just trying to just get by. Uh, sometimes we're just trying to, you know, just we're doing, we feel like we're doing the best we can, but it takes someone else to be able to push us past those limits and those levels that we feel like um, that we can't get past. And it, 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 it does take someone else. So they've been given that grace and God is not going to step in and, and begin to take over their job, you know, and, and do it for them. They've been given that grace to be able to say, look, I'm in your life to make you go further than where you want to go. I'm in your life to be able to push you to, you know, to grow in areas where you may not want to grow. I'm in your life to be able to see the potential in you that you don't get, that you've yet to realize because you, 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 you know, so many times we don't want to get into situations or we don't want to walk into different, uh, you know, uh, you know, situations to where we have to come up and begin to respond differently, begin to act differently or have different types of responsibility. We don't want, we don't make that choice on our own most of the time. Most of the time, we'd like to just kind of coast where we at, stick where we at, and when someone begins to push us further than where we, where we are comfortable, it becomes very irritating. But there is a provoking that is not demonic. 
you know, the Bible talks about us being provoked to love, us being provoked unto good works, meaning you can be provoked. I mean, if somebody can provoke you, get up under your skin for you to do what's right. And that's where sometimes this, these offices will begin to administrate these things in different ways um, and administrate this grace that has been given to them in our lives in different ways. Now, one thing as we're praying for about this, the Lord began to speak to me this morning about our response. How is truly, can you really look at what is your response? Meaning what is your expectation of these particular offices? Because we are in a body where we have all five. We have all five. All five are available and some of us are part of that all five, whether you've been ordained or not and stuff like that, whether you've been consecrated and all these different things, you understand what's around you. And if you don't understand what's around you, this is where we begin to look at, um, have you really honored what's around you? Not just the individual, but what's inside the individual, what's inside the vessel, what God has given the vessel, what God has entrusted in the vessel, to the vessel, to the person that's in your life. Because what they have been entrusted with, if they are in connection with you, like we are all connected one to another, then they have, that. that is something that God wants us to partake from, one from another. So what is our response? What is your response? I want you to just take a moment and, and begin to think, what is really your, what is your expectation? What is your response to those around you? Do you really, uh, you know, uh, accept people for who God has called them to be? Do you really look at them for who God has called them to be? Not just, you know, uh, in the holistic, not in the partial of who God has called them to be, meaning you want one anointing, but not the other. You want one office, but not the other office, meaning you want the pastor, but you don't want the prophet, or you want the prophet, don't want the pastor, you know? Uh, you want the apostolic, but you don't want the teacher, you know? Uh, have you lifted up others higher? Than, than others? Have you said that there's more need for the prophet than there is for the pastor or vice versa? When God has given all five, Christ has given all five to his body to bring a completeness. So if, if, if we only experience in two out of five, you only can get two out of five growth in our lives. We only can, we only can tap into two fifths of our potential. So it's not that those, they may have different levels of authority, different levels of access as far as what God has called them to do, but the importance of them all and the role is necessary to the body, period. Otherwise, why would God give them? Amen? So when we're talking about honor, and uh, you know, we just want to switch to this definition as far as what we've been looking at honor, and what honor is and what honor um, looks like. Honor is something that is heavy, uh, something that's valued by weight. Um, it's a value that we place on someone. We also know that honor opens the inside door. Now, when we're talking about uh, opening the inside door as far as honoring authority, when you go to the book of Proverbs, it talks a lot about being able to draw from a person with wisdom. And a lot of times what we want is the person with wisdom to run us down and give us 
the wisdom. If you see that I'm in need, why won't you come? No, if you're in need, it is your responsibility to come because it shows that you honor. Not saying that a person can never come and, and, and show you or come and, and see if you need, but it, it talks about us being able to have the, the, the ability to be able to get to the inside door of the person and begin to ask questions. This is where the man of God has been saying, where are where your questions are is where your where your where your hunger is. When you begin, one of the ways that you honor these particular offices or these authorities that God has put in the body of Christ is to ask questions. Ask questions about your life, ask questions about their life, ask questions about God, uh, their revelation of God, who God has made himself to, or revealed himself to be to them, um, what God is saying, what God is speaking, what is God's direction, what is God's counsel. And when you put honor on, when you put weight on what they say, then you get the benefits of what is being shared. When you put weight on the relationship, then you get the benefits of what the relationship's supposed to be. Now, sometimes what we do is we begin to use the relationship for different things. And what I have learned is over the course of time is uh, a lot of times when people are dealing with severe or they have dealt with abandonment or dealt with rejection, they will want either of these, if not all of these officers to chase them down and when I say chase them down, what I'm saying is there is a lack of you actually reaching out on a consistent basis on your own for you to be able to be completely furnished. It should be something that's going both ways. But the people who came, you know, just look at Christ. <coughs> when you look at Jesus Christ, you don't see Jesus Christ really chasing down anybody to a certain extent. <laughs> People follow. He told them, hey, get up, follow me. Get up, follow me. Because when, I, uh, when, when the person who is in leadership has to constantly come to you, then it, the, the threat of leadership being compromised after a while, not, not on purpose, it's just the order. We're messing up the order of things. And it may feel like what I'm saying is unfair. It may feel like what I'm saying, oh, well, that doesn't make sense because you should be able to go get the nine, go get the one from the 99 to make the 99 complete. Yes, that's all true. This is true, right? But the 99 was still there. We're talking about 99 that was still following. So yeah, there may be one that I may have to go get if they lost. They can't see how to how to get their way back, right? But if I'm going to get you and then you still don't follow, then that there, there may be a problem here. Then it may be you're trying to feed something else that that particular office cannot feed. So it's what opens the inside door. It is the biblical door to great friendship, love, community, and blessings. So we 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 begin to honor when we when we when we truly honor these uh you know uh, the the authority the offices that God has put in the church it brings us to a place of maturity because we can understand now cuz partly part of us coming after is the part that helps us to humble ourselves if i have to go after something 
then I'm submitting myself to what its purpose is in my life. Then I understand. I have to humble myself to do that. And most of the time, this is what happens is, uh, especially when people are dealing with a lot of rejection or have dealt with a lot of rejection in their lives, it becomes difficult for them to go after because of the threat of being rejected again and the pain of having to experience that again. But I just want to encourage you to open up more to these particular offices function in your life. And when I say the office, I'm not talking about the individual that you like in the office or the individual that you prefer in the office. I'm talking about the office period. So that means if there's more than one individual in the expression of any of these offices, then you should be open to every individual in these offices and what they bring to, to, to the office and to the gift, what they bring to the body because God has given them purpose. But if you put no value on the office, you put no value on the gift when God puts value, when God puts honor on them, then it's very, it becomes very difficult to be able to get the benefits of growth from the gift, from the office from the grace that is on their life to be able to cause you to grow. Amen. So uh, let's go to verse 13 and I'll finish that, finish this part up. Amen. Uh, Till we all come to what the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God until a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I think we can see that, you know, there's not a, We've not come to the unity of the faith. And when we talk about the faith, we talk about the who we believe Christ to be and how we believe him to be in the fullness of who he is. I believe a lot of people just look at Jesus Christ as a lamb only. But to look at him as master, as Lord, as, uh, um, you know, as the, the Holy One of Israel, as the, all of who he is, the Messiah, the king, the one that rules, the one that will judge, the one, you know what I'm saying, the one that will tell you truth, that can be quite offensive, the one that is a prophet, the one that is an apostle, the one that is a, a, a pastor, the one that is an evangelist, the one that is the greatest teacher that we've ever seen. The fullness of who he was, that unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God unto a perfect man, unto a mature man. We're supposed to have a mature expression of who Christ is in the earth. A mature expression. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Not the two-fifths not, not two fullness, not the three-fifths fullness. The fullness of Christ. What am I saying? In order to get the fullness, I have to take the fullness of what he has left, what he has given. I have to be open to that fullness of what he has given. He has given these particular offices to the church and some more other things, too, that we'll go over today. Um, so let's go to. So if you want to grow, if you really, truly, truly, truly want to grow. Get open more to the office. 
get open more to the office. I think we said last week, you know, call a prophet and ask him, what was the word of the Lord? If you really truly want to honor, put a demand on all five. Meaning, even if even if you feel like, you know, no, you put a demand, meaning you show that you're hungry. Show that you're hungry to grow. Show that you're hungry to, to learn. One thing that sometimes we don't like to face is, is that we have been so prideful not to, not to be able to honor someone else. We may give them a compliment, but to truly honor them, meaning you have to go to them to actually learn what they know. We'll say, well, yeah, you do that well, but you, we, we don't look at that God has this person around you so you can learn how to do that well too. How do you get a word? How do you stay ready all the time? How does God, how do you say, how do you, how does God speak to you? How do you hear from the Lord like that? How, how do you, how do you get, get into the scriptures like that? How do you study like that? How do you keep yourself, uh, keep your life balanced with who God has called you to be and the family that you have and what you have to do and your children and not feel like a failure? And how do, how do you administer, how do you handle life and still walk in who you are? Because there's a wisdom, there is a maturity that comes when a person is having to walk in something for a long time, or there's a wisdom, there's a maturity that comes where certain certain things that, that seem important or emergencies to others, they're just not emergencies. They're not that important. Because they understand the end of a thing. They understand time. They understand wisdom. They understand their faith. They understand God in a different way. So if you really truly honor, and, and for some of us, you may feel like, well, yeah, I do honor th that person, or I do honor this particular office. If you really truly honor it, <clears throat> then you have to say, how hungry are you to be open to the instruction that comes from the office, no matter who the person is? Amen. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. So we're going to be talking about, we're going to finish up with the evangelist, uh, the pastor, and the teacher. We're going to go to Acts 8 and 5. And this is just to give you like a little bit of a preface when you go to Acts um, 8. Uh, at the beginning, this is where it, you, we, 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 look, we, we see Saul or Paul uh, bringing havoc, as the word says, to the church, locking up men and women, dragging folks away, doing all these different things, and the church begins to scatter. Now, then we see here Philip, Philip, which is one of the, really the first, um, you know, he was one of the first deacons. So we see not only, uh, and we, we know deacons back then did miracles. They had faith, they had power, and they were full of the Holy Ghost. Miracles was was really a part of the gospel, as we'll see here uh, when we look at who the evangelist is, because we see him as being one of the first evangelists, per se, who steps in that office who was not necessarily an apostle. He was not an apostle. So 
when uh, we pick it up here in verse five, so then Philip went down to the city and this is after they got spread. He went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. He preached Christ. He didn't preach nothing deep. He didn't try to break down through the ages and you know the scriptures and the prophets and nothing like that. And this is the mark of a true evangelist. This is the mark. This is what's gonna be in their mouth more than anything. They're gonna have such a passion about salvation and Christ. Jesus being clear to people and not going to go too deep into, uh, you know, the meat of the scriptures and all these different things. And we see sometimes some pastors who have this particular anointing because you can have an anointing and not necessarily walk in the office. That's a whole totally different, you know, teaching. But we see some pastors who do have a stronger anointing as far as an evangelistical anointing, but they still are pastors. You know, but this man, we see him really begin to walk into the office of uh, an evangelist. He went down and he preached Christ. He didn't preach Isaiah. He didn't preach. Now, if he did use Isaiah, he only bring he only used Isaiah to bring him to Christ. He only he, everything was to bring the person back to Christ, to bring them to Christ, to give them an understanding about who Christ was, because there was such a passion for the evangelist to be able to communicate Christ. So he said he preached Christ unto them. And as he preached Christ unto them, and said, and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing miracles which he did. Now, we see this even in, um, you know, even when he sent forth his apostles or the disciples at that point in time and gave them power and told them to do what? Go and say what? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He sent them forth with the message and gave them power to confirm the message with signs and with wonders. Now, so the one of the marks of a true evangelist, and, and, and I'm going to give some preface to this. One of the marks of a true evangelist is miracles. Now, when we see a lot of times we don't think it's a miracle for someone to be saved. But that's one of the greatest miracles that there is for someone to be made a child of God again or a child of God, period. For them to receive the gospel, how much work has been put in in the spirit, not by that person, I'm talking about by God to be able to draw them. And that's what that, that evangelist has that drawing power. But, you know, a lot of times what he's trying, what he comes and re reveals is not just Christ uh, alone, but he reveals the kingdom too as well. And this is why them seeing the miracles, them seeing the signs was a confirmation of his, his, his message, was a confirmation of that. So when we really look at what evangelism is, when we really look at the evangelists actually evangelizing people, it was letting the Holy Ghost witness of himself through the individual, through the message. One of the, it, didn't, it didn't make him make this man an apostle just because he did a miracle or did some miracles. He never declared himself to be an apostle or prophet or anything like that. His passion was Christ. That's what his passion was. So they they took heed, they gave heed unto those things which he spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, this is one thing that we've got in common with to a certain extent, 
casting out of devils is a miracle. It's a sign. What, is, what does it say in the book of Mark? These signs should follow them that believe. They should do what? Cast out devils. It's a sign. So for unclean spirits, crying, crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taking the palsies and that were, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in, the, in that city. So we see, we see Philip, after being scattered, after being, you know, the uh, persecution coming uh, through, through Saul, which we would know to be Paul, he didn't, he didn't get hindered with how he was going to now, because uh, he wasn't serving tables anymore because everybody got scattered. But the passion of Christ was still in him. And this is what we have to ask ourselves. This is why you, sometimes you need to be or find a real evangelist. So you can get some of that passion. Because they're going to they're, they're want to see souls saved all the time. This is their greatest joy. They're, the thing that's going to fulfill them the most is seeing someone saved. Talking to somebody about Christ. It gets them moving more than anything else in their life. This is what they want to see. They want to see the power of God. God turning lives around. Breaking the enemies back in people's lives. I mean, just destroying the yokes of Satan. They, they, they want to see these things. And it's not so much of not saying a person can't get caught up in self-glory or vainglory because they can. I think in any of these, you can't because of what, has, what you have access to. But uh, if they're really truly doing it with sincerity, it's not so they can be seen. It's because they want Christ to be seen. They want Christ to be clear to people. They want Christ to be what people choose. Past just a conversation. Past just a, you know, I'll pray for you. I'll be here for you. They have an anointing. When we look at a person like Billy Graham, who we say was one of the greatest modern uh, evangelists that we see, you know, um, you can say that there were signs and wonders going on to a certain extent because of the droves of people that would come and begin to give them give their lives to the Lord, and the many people who was giving them lives, giving their lives to the Lord through his ministry. You know, that right there alone. Is, is a miracle that people will come who never i mean you hear so many stories hear so many stories of people who didn't want didn't want god didn't want to be saved and him taking the gospel into different places that the gospel was not there in different countries with the gospel you know him breaking up ground evangelistically to be able to go and preach the gospel him being honored to be enough to be able to go and preach the gospel in places where they really didn't even honor God like that. So when we go down to verse 26, I just want to give us a, just a little bit of an example of who an evangelist is. When we look at Flip Philip, and I didn't give you the uh, definition, I'm sorry. The definition of an evangelist is a bringer of good tidings. The name given to the New Testament heralds of salvation through Christ, a bringer of good tidings, the name given to the New Testament heralds of salvation through Christ, who are not apostles, who are not apostles. Amen. All right, let's go to verse 26 in, in uh, Acts chapter 8. 
So even as uh, Prophet's Portia was talking about evil tidings last night, it kind of just, you know, it's bad news, bad rumors, bad. This is really, really good news. And, and one thing the evangelist understands is it's good news because this is your only hope. This is your only hope for life. Your only hope not to go to hell. Your only hope for your life to be better. Your only hope for stuff to, to, to become better in your life. Your only hope for salvation is through Christ. It's not, it's not a book. It's not more knowledge. It's not a better job. It's not a better check. It's not a different family. It's not a different situation or a different city. It's not any of that. The evangelist understands with a passion that this is the good news that you need to make everything else that's bad in your life, it will outweigh all of those things. Amen. So in verse 26, it said, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip saying, arise and go toward the, go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Right. And he arose and went and behold, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a unit of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in the chariot reading Isaiah's, Isaiah, the prophet. And he was reading the Old Testament. So then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to, to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read prophet Isaiah and says, understandest thou what thou readest. So and he said, how can I accept some man guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Come on, let's read verse 32. So in the place of the scripture which he which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened not he his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. So, and the eunuch answered Philip, and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of, of himself or of some other man? So then Philip opened his mouth and began at that, at the, at the, at the same scripture and preached preach unto him Jesus. Now look at this. Philip was just looking for an opportunity. Now he was led by God, as far as God sending an angel, telling him where to go. And now the spirit of God began to speak to him and say, okay, now join yourself over here. Go talk to this man who was already a man of what great authority, meaning great things have been given to him. He had a great level of responsibility, but sometimes, see, this is what the one thing to the evangelists understand. It don't matter who you are, how much money you got, how much fame you got, how much, it, it doesn't matter how much success you have. Your soul is on the line. And if you are at a place where God is working on you, because the evangelist is doing what? Working along with God to draw souls into the kingdom. He's working along with God. You see the, you see the, the Holy Spirit here involved, and you see angels here involved. 
guiding him, what to come after a soul. This is how much God is, is, is concerned about souls, concerned about people. Heaven is involved, trying to get people saved every day through the things that we do, things that we say, through the evangelistical work that we do. God uses that. But one thing about the evangelist, the evangelist has an anointing to be able to bring, has a grace on their life, to be able to bring people in. They have a draw. People just follow them. They're able to gather folks. They're able to bring people to a place of, uh, you know, and they, if they invite them, they're going to come. And most of the time, the evangelists in the world, this is how you knew they were, there was evangelists in the world. They were hosts. They was able to, you know, pull together parties. People wanted to be around them. They were able to convince folks of stuff. They were great manipulators. But they wasn't necessarily leaders. What, what am I saying? What I mean, it wasn't necessarily like this. Like I said, they had great power. The power that comes with the kingdom, but they wasn't necessarily apostles. So some of us, there's an evangelistic anointing. I think that some of us have yet to tap into, and it may just be because we have not learned enough about the evangelist. Because of, it's almost like it's the middle child. You don't hear that much about it. Even when you look at, if you was to look at a person like Benny Hinn. He started out as evangelist, but he still, he called himself a pastor now. And I'm saying he called himself. When, you know, y'all know what I'm saying. He, he that's not his title. That's not his title right now. <laughs> but to say that that anointing still does not work in his life, to say that that anointing still does not work in other people's lives that may call themselves pastors or may have the title or even hold the office of a pastor. I mean, they don't get all deep into the scriptures. They, they pre preach very simple. But in that simplicity, people give their lives to the Lord. When they call, when they begin to gather, people come. And for some of us, we don't see that that's, that's, what, that's why people want to be around you. That's why people seem like they're waiting for you to call them. And, you know, they're so hurt because you didn't call them. And, you know, and all this other stuff. And like, you don't understand the anointing that's on your life. The, and the weight of your words, the weight of what you have to say, the, the weight of how God has honored what he's put on your life. Amen. So then Philip opened his mouth and began at that same scripture to preach what Jesus unto him. Saying, so as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch says, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest, if thou believest without with all thine heart, if thou mayest, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Look at that. This man giving his life to the Lord. Saying so, he commanded the, the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. <coughs> And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So look at this. God, so, God was so serious about the gospel being spread, this man was translated. 
translated to a whole nother city. So after you fulfill this assignment, boom, I just need you to talk to this man right here because he's a man of authority. He's going to have enough authority. He's going to have enough influence where I can, I can spread the gospel through him. Boom, talk to this person. Get them saved. After they get saved, because I've been working on them already, they already want to know about me. Boom, I just need, a, I need an individual to talk to them. Now the Spirit of God takes him away and puts him in a whole other city. Why? So he can spread the gospel some more. Amen? So we see the evangelist is very, 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 very important to the spread of the gospel, to souls coming in the kingdom. And this is the initial point of, of churches being, being uh, uh, grown, being, you know, being equipped, having people to be able to actually go forth and do work. Amen. So now the next one is, of course, the pastor is the one that we're the most, uh, I would say, the most familiar with to a certain extent, or the most common with. Um, what does pastor mean? Pastor means <clears throat> pastor is a herdsman, especially a shepherd. Uh, in a parable, he who's, who, who to whose care and control others have committed themselves and whose pre precepts they follow. They are the presiding officer manager director of any assembly so so as so of christ so of christ the head of the church <clears throat> the overseers of christ, of the christian assemblies kings or princes <clears throat> excuse me y'all <clears throat> all right so we see pastors pastors are pretty much shepherds under shepherds is what we call them um because we understand that god is the great shepherd that jesus christ is is the good shepherd of the sheep. We are his under shepherds, you know? So pastors are those that they are herdsmen, meaning now after the evangelists have done what they're gonna do, the pastors come to bring stability. Stability and leadership to those who have committed themselves to the leadership of the pastor. I mean, they have committed themselves to that leadership and whose precepts they follow. So you have to ask yourself, are you a, uh, are you a, past, uh, a person who can be pastored? Have you, even though we're very common with this and we know pastors, we know the pastoral, we tend sometimes, even as we do with all of these, is we want different parts of what the, the office can bring, but we don't want every part. Because the pastor still does bring correction to the sheep. The pastor still does say certain things, or even as you see the shepherd sometimes will bring a certain level of pain to the sheep if the sheep keep on going in a way that they, they don't know is dangerous. Because the pastor understands or the shepherd understands where the danger is. The sheep don't. Sheep don't always see. We understand that sheep are blind. They can't see five feet in front of them. So this is not to say, oh, you just don't know anything, stuff like that. What I'm saying is the pastor has a certain level of oversight 
that he has been given that, that gives him or her the, the, the ability to be able to lead. Even when we go to first Peter chapter uh first Peter chapter five. And we're gonna go to verse two to feed the flock of God. This is what we like, uh, and this is what we see. We see Peter, and Peter understood this because we know in, in, in the book of John that when Christ came back and began to ask him, he said, Look, lovest thou me? Feed my lamb. Then he asked him again, Lovest thou me? Feed my sheep. Why? Because even as an apostle, he knew, okay, now through Peter, through his failures, you're going to understand better how to pastor people. Through you coming up short, through you not doing what you need to do, through you betraying me, you're not going to be so proudful to say, oh, I'll, I would never do that. Meaning he would have more mercy for the lambs and for the sheep, meaning for the young ones <laughs> and for the older ones. They said, feed them, feed them, feed the flock of God, which is among you. And see, one thing about it is, even as we've been talking about this, is who's the hungriest is who's going to get fed? Who, who follows the more closely to a pastor or even any of these offices is who's going to get to the pasture, the pasture, meaning get, the, get that place of rest, get that place of, uh, of provision the quickest. The, the, the further you are away and following, the longer it takes for you to get to the provision or the pasture or the rest to understand. So he said, well, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. What? He's saying, look, don't force them. And don't you be, don't you have to try to, you know, forcefully make people do something. Just do it willingly and don't have to have nobody to make you do it. Do it willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Not to try to get something in return, but willingly to have the mindset to do it. So the pastor is like, look, I, I want to do this. I want to be able to help you. But a lot of times what, and I can tell, I can speak from some personal experience as a pastor, of course, people don't always want to be pastored. They want to learn, but learning and being fed or being, and being led because to feed a flock, you got to take them somewhere. I mean, they got to follow you. So sometimes I've learned that people are hungry for something or seeing even people or even been the one that's been pastored hungry for something but not willing to follow to get to where the provision is. So you follow a pastor. You follow them by following the precepts by following the, the understanding that they give. It, it was one thing that uh, Elders McKinney said to me one time. She was talking to a few of us, and she was talking about, um, she was like, you know, 
Y'all are like the prophetic, y'all are the prophetic voices of God in our lives. She was talking about her and her whole family. So she was letting me know how much weight I put on what you say. I put a lot of weight on the things that come out of your mouth. I look for direction for my life, for the things that come out of your mouth. I look for wisdom when I don't know what to do for the thing that you're going to say, how to handle a situation, how to be able to judge between this situation, whether I'm in it or outside of it, or how do I handle myself? How do I handle the people in the situation? What do I do? It's the same thing that, that, that uh, uh, you know, Jethro had, you know, Moses do. So you can't pass all these people by yourself. Set up some elders. Give them your anointing. Let them handle the small matters. And then you handle the matters that they can't handle the bigger matters. The ones they can't figure out. He gave them the glory that was pretty much on their life, on, on his life. He shared his spirit with the spirit that was upon him. It, 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 the wisdom, the access that he had to be able to judge between God's people. Now they had it too. A, a level of it. A measure of it. All right. So honor to honor a pastor is to do what? Be, be, be a person who can be pastored. Be a person who has an ear to hear. Not not perfect. I'm not saying that you don't ever have problems. I'm not saying you don't never just, you know, maybe get a little rebellious. But one thing, understand, pastors are going to understand human nature. That you are a person who has salvation, has the Holy Ghost, but you still got flesh too. And at times, you may not always overcome that flesh. Not saying that's what a pastor wants, but they understand this is the reality. They're going to be time because they understand this is just part, that, that's sometimes it's a part of the walk. And I'm not mean you have to, but sometimes it's just a reality. I've not always overcome my flesh. Sometimes my flesh got the best of me. So that mercy is going to be there to be able to lead you out of it. Amen? All right. Last one. Teacher, teacher, teacher. Now, some will say that this is not an office. We see that there's separation here. Um, I've heard that, you know, the pastor-teacher is something that's together. I don't believe that every teacher is a pastor. I don't. Um, they may not want to be all involved in the whole, you know, the day-to-day -day living of saints, you know, every, they may want to teach about it, but they don't want to be involved in having to lead you or guide you, or, you know what I'm saying, you actually follow them. They may, they're more, they're more concerned about you knowing what to do. All right. So the teacher, what is, who is the teacher? A teacher is of, of who, of those who by great power as teachers draw crowds around them like John the Baptist or Jesus. And also of who, of those who in religious assemblies of Christians undertook the work, the work of teaching with the special assistance of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit. 
So it's not just a person who spews out knowledge or, or, or gets together facts. It is the Holy Spirit works with this person to be able to bring uh, high uh, revelation sometimes. And, and let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and this is where we're going to end that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. They, they, they bring high revelation or, um, you know, a deeper or the meat of God's word, and they begin to break it up to where it's more chewable bites. They make it more um, digestible at times. So we see another list here that Paul gives as far as those people who have been set in the church when he's talking about the body of Christ. And as he's talking about the body of Christ, he said, God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets. And then third, we see teachers. He didn't say pastor. Third, we see teachers. And this scripture has always kind of blown me away to a certain extent in the in, in the in, uh, as far as the importance that Paul puts on the teacher after these two offices that hold a lot of weight as far as the foundation of the church. Now, I think that the teacher, I believe, and, and, and as, I'm, as I study this, as you see them working together, one thing about the apostles and prophets, they reveal. They reveal heaven. They reveal the presence of God. They reveal deeper things about uh, God that sometimes can be a little much to be able to get into uh, life, day-to-day -day life application, right? Not saying that the apostles can't teach, not saying that prophets don't teach. We see a lot of apostles and prophets who do teach. But one thing that a real teacher, real teachers are able to do is break down very difficult things to be able to know their students, know the ones that, that how to be able to get across the understanding. There is an anointing to be able to renew the mind. That when they give this knowledge, now that that has now that has been revealed, then the person can now understand and they can work better with the apostle, work better with the prophets, work better with the kingdom of God, work better in the body of Christ. They can understand who they are and how to be who they are, how to bring forth who they are to the body. With the assistance of the Holy Spirit. We see uh, Paul, uh, you know, as uh, Elder Story was talking about, with Silas, uh, with Barnabas. He had, uh, with Apollos, Apollos was known as a great teacher of the word, a great teacher of the word. This is why some people, you know, there's some people who almost kind of think that he wrote Hebrews. I think it's more or less Paul, but that's just, you know, that's a, an, an opinion and stuff like that. I'm not trying to come here and get my opinion. I'm just saying they don't really know who wrote Hebrews. They say it could be Apollos because of his level of knowledge. And if he, even if he's in that conversation, you got to think this man had to have a certain level of knowledge. But they have an anointing not just to bring this knowledge forth, but also to a place to where people begin to understand it. Teachers turn the light on to where you may have an experience you know, as far as a revelation, as far as who you are, uh, how God reveals himself to you, 
teachers can bring you back to the word and walk you through the word and, and tell you sometimes even if the, the purpose of why God revealed this to you or give you the scripture to be able to ground your experience because and this is why it's so important because there sometimes there are streams in the body of Christ where they're just experience driven but there's no real word base so if you had an experience then that's God but even if it if it ain't in scripture then it's okay if we can't substantiate it anywhere in scripture if it don't make sense not understanding everything, every experience in God ain't gonna make sense because you know we we talk about two different mindsets, but there it should be in the Word. We should be able to find it in the Word, and teachers help with being able to substantiate the moves of God and stabilize what God is trying to do. So they do work together with, you know, pastors to be able to stabilize the body. And this is where you find some of the, some of us, we grew up around and we called them Sunday school teachers. <laughs> you had a good Sunday school teacher or the, the superintendent of the Sunday school department. These were, they were just teachers. They, they look, you left their class and they weren't too concerned about what was going on in your personal life. The pastor's going to feed you you're going to follow him. The pastor is going to lead you by example. The pastor is going to, you know, give you what you need, the precepts that you need to be able to handle your life and stuff like that. The teacher is going to give you the, 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 the revelation, in a sense, or the knowledge to be able to renew your mindset so you can understand what to do. Some mistakes just come because we don't understand. Some things we doing, we do over and over again because we don't understand how to stop. Or we don't understand why we keep on doing. There's some things that God has called us to do that we don't understand. So how teachable are we? Are you teachable? Being teachable means you can communicate that which has been taught to you to someone else and to yourself and back to the person who teach you, who taught you. And part of that communication is being able to live what they taught you. I've not always been teachable. But the more hungry a person is for knowledge, the more teachable they are sometimes. Sometimes they're hungry for knowledge, and this is where teachers have to be careful of because teachers, a lot of times, because they have a lot of knowledge, are prideful because they think they know. Not understanding there's still some things that you may not know, or and then there's still a level of access that you know you don't quite have yet, you know. Um, that you still need the other four offices to be able to work together. So what am I saying? We all need each other. When you're talking about the teacher, and even in this verse comes before the miracles, the gifts of healings, the helps, the governments, uh, the diversities of tongues. We see the weight of the teacher in this particular verse. If he's saying first and second, and then thirdly, 
They ain't saying after that. First apostles, second prophets, thirdly teachers. Why? Because before we start operating in a whole bunch of miracles and the power of God and everything, we need understanding. So we don't get power hungry. To understand that the gift is to express the grace of God and has nothing to do with how awesome I am. To understand that my salvation is the most precious gift I have and not the gift of expressing the kingdom of God in the earth. That this I rejoice that I'm his, not out of not. Not that I rejoice that I'm used more than I rejoice that I'm his. The teacher comes to bring a greater understanding of why, the purpose of things, so it does not get perverted. If it's a sign, what does it point to? If it's a wonder, what is it trying to make the person wonder about? Not me. Not the person who does the sign and the wonder. The sign is pointing towards God. The, the wonder is to make the person wonder about God so they can come to God, not the person. So I just want to encourage everyone today to honor the authority that's been set in the body. And if you truly want to maximize your growth, maximize your growth in God, by pulling on all five, not three-fifths, not two-fifths, not four-fifths, pulling on all five, all five offices, all five authorities that have been given to the church, that you may get the full understanding, that, you may be, that we may come to a full unity of the faith, a full uh, understanding of the fullness of who Christ is and that we may grow together. Amen. 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 So we're going to get ready for the worship of our giving. I hope that bless you. Um, you can text to give course eight, four, three, two, one. And as you're logging in to text to give, we're going to do our um, offering decree. So if you're hitting your buttons, your numbers, we honor God with our resources and with the first fruits of our increase. We sow into good ground of the word. We look to Jehovah Jireh for the return and provision. We will prosper and be in health as our souls prosper, and we believe the Father has given us the power to get wealth. Amen? Amen. 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 So we thank you for your time today as you give your tithes, your offerings. Uh, we thank you. We thank you for your time today. I hope the word blessed you. I hope we have a greater understanding of these different authorities in the church and what the church and, you know, we're not even going into the authority of the church, period, you know, because we have an authority as people. Um, you know, that's that's all that that just goes into a whole nother wider stream of things that when we come together and pray.
pray, when we come together, we do this, why we assemble, why there has to be connection, why alts and uh, divisions and having issues with within the body break up the authority or weakens us as a body, why they're so important, that we clear, that we're harmonious, that we are in one accord, one with another, uh, it gives us a certain level of power or even really authority. It clears up our authority. It helps us to be able to walk in our authority. But that, you know, it starts with understanding these particular officers who set up the body, who helps to bring the body up, build the body up, and be able to lead the body into what God is uh, telling the body to do uh, and what God is trying to lead the body to do and to, to mature into being. Amen? So thank you today for your time. I'm not going to hold you any longer. Uh, thank you. I hope you learned something today, not just learned something, but I hope something was revealed to you as well. Um, and I pray that you will begin to honor, honor those that are in authority over you. Honor these different offices. Honor, honor them. You know, um, put a demand on them by honoring them. Put weight on what they say. Uh, let them know I'm listening to what you're saying. I'm not picking apart. I'm not trying to uh, say, well, I, I agree with this, but I don't agree with that. If you don't agree with something, ask. Ask questions. Maybe it's something you don't understand. Maybe you don't agree because you don't have the level of understanding. Ask. Put a demand on your own growth. Not the growth that makes you comfortable, but the growth that makes you uncomfortable. Get outside of your box of understanding and let's get into a greater understanding of who God is. Amen.